S S S S E E E E Q Q Q Q U U U U E E E E L L L L Sequel Cast. The chain in those handcuffs is high tensile steel. It'll take you ten minutes to hack through it with this. Now, if you're lucky, you can hack through your ankle in five minutes. Go. sequel cast i'm your host matt i was known as uncle milkshake on uh, the earlier episodes of the show and with me is the top secret mystery new co-host sabrina hey so now we know we know who now we know who the new co-host is and uh so let's talk about that for a minute okay um so recently i was offered the opportunity to record in the uh, cascadia fm studios which is much better than what i did before which was recorded over skype yeah. On a desk that's pretty small. Did you see that picture? I did, yeah. You tweeted out a picture, and I was like, how on earth are you working <laughs> like this? Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, yeah. I wanted you to come in here, and, and let's, you know, kind of uh, revamp it a little bit. I think it would be kind of cool. So, I'm Sabrina Miller. I'm on Cascadia.fm, and uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere. And you can find me on Twitter, at SequelCast, and there's also a Facebook page and a website, SequelCast.com. Sweet. So we're starting to look at a new set of movies with uh, the Mad Max trilogy for the rest of this month, and we're starting out with the original film, Mad Max. Sabrina, when did you first watch Mad Max uh, 1? Um, honestly, I thought I had seen this one before. Um, I thought I'd you know seen the whole trilogy, and then as I was watching it, I just watched it uh, like within the last couple days, and uh, realizing, you know what? I haven't seen this one before. <laughs> For some reason, there was like, there's like no, I, there was nothing familiar about it to me at all. Um, so I would venture to say it was just a few days ago, actually. My dad and I uh, watched the second one, just called The Road Warrior, a mm-hmm. whole lot. But I never saw this one until uh, high school. I watched five minutes of it and fell asleep. I thought this sucks. And then I just saw it recently, you know, again, off of a Netflix watch instantly to mm-hmm. prepare for the show. And so Mad Max, you think of it being in the desert in the future with all these shirtless hooligans. But this first film, it's more of a origin story. It's like a cop movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. It's yeah, like definitely good versus bad and, and trying to figure out still who's, who's who with all the different characters and things like that. But um, yeah, it was weird like not seeing people wrapped up in leather and um, there's actually like paved roads and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought that was a little bizarre. And uh, Mayor of Portland, Sam Adams, sent me a tweet saying he thought the original Mad Max was his favorite. Uh, I have to disagree, but (laughs) everyone can have their opinions. Oh, yeah, totally. I would disagree with it as well. Um, 
just in watching like the first, uh, I don't know, like the first 30 minutes was so mind numbing to me. I just, I didn't, I didn't really have a whole lot of interest in it, honestly. Um, and then it got to like the 40 minute mark. I put out a couple tweets, um, at Sabrina PDX is where you can find me. And I said, wow, this is just, this really sucks. And everybody's like, no, 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 it gets better. It gets better. Just wait. It's about like the 40, 45 minute mark and it'll get better. And it did actually, I thought. Well, that's good. I think with, uh, Mad Max, you look at it, and at the time, it was a really low-budget Australian film directed by George Miller, who recently has directed such movies as Happy Feet, Happy Feet 2, and Babe, Pig in the City. Oh, my God, he's a winner. A very much a winner. Wow. Winning all the time. So you do have animals in Mad Max. He has a pet dog, but they don't talk or anything. No, and the dog, um, I'm not going to say what the dog ends up, uh, whatever happens to him, because it's a, a huge, huge spoiler, and I do not want to give any of it away. Very good. Now, uh, one thing about Mad Max 1 is originally it came out in Australia and in the United States. It didn't do so well, but worldwide it grossed $100 million, which when you adjust for inflation is quite a lot. It was the most successful independent film until the Blair Witch Project in 1999. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty extraordinary, actually. It is. You wouldn't think. And, uh, you know, Mad Max was not so popular in the U.S., which is why the second movie is just called The Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. It's not, But it was called Mad Max 2 overseas. See, this is where this is where franchises need to like pull their heads out of their asses and figure out what the hell it is that they're going to be calling everything. <laughs> because I could have sworn that it's just like, oh no, Road Warrior was like the first one, and then there was Mad Max, and then there was Beyond Thunderdome. But no, it's it, you need to like have a naming convention that actually makes sense with some of this stuff. It's ridiculous. Well, some of that has to do with movies from the 1970s. You have the Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry movies, where none of them are like Dirty Harry two and three. They're like Magnum Force, The Enforcer, Deadpool. Yeah. Unless you knew what movies were in what order you'd rent these all out of order and get all confused right well and and for even those movies it's like you can you can kind of watch a couple of them and it makes sense you don't necessarily need to have you know to watch the first one but definitely it's helpful for sure i think the same thing with this one too it's it helps to know like where you know where did max come from especially when you watch road warrior um, because I have seen that one. That was actually, I'm really looking forward to rewatching that, uh, for next week. But that's one of those things where you just realize, oh, this is where this guy comes from. This is why he is so pissed off. It, you know, it gives, it gives some background. It gives some context to the whole thing. Right. And so not only is this the cop movie, it's a little bit of a romance. He doesn't become Mad Max until uh, the last 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. So he's just a cop. He has a family. He has a baby. He has a partner named Goose, which I thought was weird because you think of Top Gun, Tom Mm -hmm. Cruise, and he has a partner named Goose. Yeah. And that one. So I don't know if that's a coincidence. You know, until you brought it up, I never even thought about it. I I never made that. I never made that connection. So you said the beginning dragged for you, Sabrina? Oh, my God. Like, what about it? I wanted to poke myself in the eye. Um, (laughs) There was, well, like, my favorite scene, I think, probably within the whole movie was actually one of the beginning ones where they're um, chasing down these two hooligans in a car, uh, the girl with, like, the pink hair and the guy with, like, the missing teeth or whatever. And um, I I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the car chases, which I know that we're probably going to be talking about later, but... um, that whole section to me and then like when he ends up catching up with them um when max ends up catching up with him um was like one of my favorite things but then after that i don't know it's just like the beginning and the end of like that first 45 minutes for me oh my god it just stalled so bad and i just i really the lady with the saxophone and i just i wanted to poke (laughs) out my eye i really really did and it was really easy for me to actually get distracted during that time it's like oh look twitter 
<laughs> yeah, it's difficult to watch a movie period at home without looking on Twitter every few seconds or you want to live tweet what you're watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing about this film is in Australia, it had an Australian dub with them speaking English, of course, with Australian accents. But for the United States, they wanted to make it more American. So everyone is dubbed in an American accent. And that's a bit cheesy. Mm-hmm. But as it is, I don't think the Australian stuff is so hard to understand. No, I don't think so either. I think once you get past like the first um, like two, three minutes of really kind of going, huh? Then the accent just kind of settles into your brain and you just you start processing it just a different way. Do you ever put on subtitles when you're watching like a British or an Australian movie? No, 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 no. no. I rather enjoy um, trying to figure out what it is that they're saying or picking up new words or nuances of like, what, what is that? What does that phrase mean? I don't understand. And so by having it spelled out for me, then to me, it's just not that much fun, especially if they're already speaking English. I don't, I don't need English retranslated. People may need my English retranslated. Let me tell you that. (laughs) But you know. Nine times out of ten, I don't know. Uh-uh. So Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles is not one you need the subtitles for. That is the best movie ever. Yes. Oh, my God. No, I don't need that translated. <laughs> <laughs> so car chases are a central part of Mad Max. What makes it different with uh, Mad Max when they used real cars, you didn't use computer graphics, that compared to something like Fast and the Furious, where you have helicopters chasing cars and tunnels and doing all these backflips? I think it's way more awesome, actually. Yeah. Um, it makes it so that it's um, it's a lot more grounded. It's a lot more real. It's a lot more, uh, like, kind of gritty. Uh, when everything is computer processed and, or generated, it just, uh, you know, obviously it's it's fake, but it looks fake and it feels fake. And even though they may have to flip a car five million times or take, like, you know, like 50 takes on it or whatever, they're still doing it the way that, like, movies were intended to do it as you know what i mean they weren't doing cgi stuff with cars you know in what like the mid 70s or whatever i don't think so anyway i wouldn't think that they would be no uh the first movie to use computer graphics was a star trek 2 wrath of khan oh well see you know they just five years later yeah no 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 i that's why i really appreciated it the cars in this in this film though beautiful very nice i really just wanted to um you know steal all of them (laughs) <laughs> and build a really big garage and put these cars in it and just claim them as my own. I mean, the stunts in this movie look so rugged and dangerous. You think a stuntman might have been killed during the making of this or something. Um, yeah, you would think so. But um, I was reading somewhere that um, it was actually the, I think it was the director. Uh, it was George Miller, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. He was a doctor in Australia. He was working in an emergency room, and he saw so many, like, injuries and deaths um, that are just kind of like how they were depicted in the film. And so I think that was, like, part of his inspiration in doing as many stunts as he did because he saw what the injuries result, you know, he saw the resulting yeah. injuries. So I was like, well, that's kind of interesting that here there's this guy that's a doctor, and now he's a film director and, and doing this kind of thing and being inspired by emergency room people. It's just weird, but... And even though the whole setting is like rugged, kind of like punk in the future, it's not very explicit for an R by today's standards. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. People get run over by cars. Um, things happen to animals. Yeah. Things happen to uh, a woman and a man, uh, a heterosexual couple, get raped by a guy. Uh-huh. But you don't see it. Right. Yeah, that's just it. It's not nearly as explicit as it could be in the movies today. Um, you definitely get the sense of, oh, yes, look, it's a motorcycle gang or it's it's, it's a gang of some sort. It's a road gang, basically, yeah. um, that is, you know, basically raping people. And that's not very fun or polite. But, um, you know, nonetheless, you don't actually see anything. No, you don't. 
you just get the sense of, oh, look, that's what they did, and that's not very nice. But if you're watching something like Hostel now or Saw or one of those, those get very explicit. Oh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't watch those movies. And blood oozing no. out. Oh, no? No, no. Okay. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I like good gore every once in a while, but not mm. like Saw, no. <laughs> oh, no. And speaking of Saw, you look at the end of the movie. We opened this uh, show with a clip at the very end where uh, Mad Max gives a guy an option. Or he chains him to a car mm-hmm. that's on fire, and he says, you have five minutes. You can either saw through your arm or saw through the handcuff. And that scene is supposedly the inspiration for all of the Saw movies. Oh. Because in that first one, it's just two guys handcuffed to a, a bathroom or something, and they have one hacksaw. Huh. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't, I've never seen any of the Saw movies, so. The more you know. Okay, good. Now I don't have to watch it. You just explain the whole thing to me. I don't need to see it. That's awesome. That's very awesome. Um, I, you know, I, the other thing that I really uh, liked in this movie was a very, very incidental character was like the lady that was staying in, she was like the, like the housekeeper or whatever, the beach house that they were staying when he goes on a break or whatever. She's an old woman. Yeah. She's like an older lady. Uh huh. So it's not, I don't know as if it was a family member or just like the, like the caretaker lady. Um, but I thought she kicked ass. Yeah, there was a bit of women kicking ass near the end of the movie. Yeah. But we mentioned this is a cop movie. Do you think Mel Gibson makes a pretty good cop in this film? I mean, it's set sort of in the future, but... Um, yeah, I guess I kind of do. Um, I think that he definitely has, like, the ruggedness, the ruggedness. And this was his first film, wasn't it? Or his second one. One of his first, One yeah. of his, because, what, Gallipoli or whatever was his first one. I believe so. Yeah, so I mean Mel Gibson, feel about him however you will. I'm sure we'll be talking more about that too. Um, I I think it was more of the wardrobe and the attitude in his character that made it so that he was more cop-like and as the movie progressed and as he loses his friend Goose, um, you really start to kind of see that transformation of, okay, well this is now like a cop gone rogue in a way. Um, and I think that's a lot of times what is a good quality for a cop to have. <laughs> yeah. I've seen way too many cop movies where they're just, you know, hey, yeah, we're cops, but we do these things over here. So, yeah. The dialogue in this movie is very slight. There's not a lot of it. You have to pay pretty close attention to understand what's going on. And even then, uh, compared to like Road Warrior and the other ones where the scarcity of gasoline is such a huge focus of those movies, you don't really get that here. You don't see a lot of cars on the road, Mm-mm. but it's all about the cops chasing down the... Uh, the punks with the sort of causing mayhem. I mean, they're a bit like the uh, guys in Clockwork Orange, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you don't see the that. That's exactly what it is. I think the the way that he is as a cop is pretty good. And obviously, he's what the enforcer or the or the interceptor. Interceptor. Yeah. yeah. So his car was beautiful, by the way. Um, as the interceptor, he obviously kind of has like the last line of defense within you know police chases and stuff at the beginning. And yeah, I don't think that everybody else that was driving these cars that were like, oh, we're the chasers and whatever, um, were kind of, uh, they weren't like punks themselves, but they were just kind of like the Laurel and Hardy-esque thing. It's like, obviously, the Interceptor works by himself. Yeah. You know, and everybody else is like, you know, partnered up with somebody else. It's like, well, no, this is like Mel Gibson and he's Mad Max and, you know, he's by himself. It works. Yeah, you have to have some sort of an arc or a change for a character to make them interesting. If Mad Max is mad all the time mm-hmm. and you don't know why he became that way, you might not care about him as much in the other movies. Although certainly I think you could watch the other Mad Max movies without watching this first one, simply called Mad Max, 
and not miss anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you probably could too. Um, like I said, I, I enjoyed the fact that it gave me a little bit of context. Um, I was very, very much reminded of uh, the first Lethal Weapon. Oh yeah, and watching this very much so. I don't know. I think it was because of hey, here's somebody that has you know within like the Lethal Weapon stuff. Here's somebody that kind of has you know a decent life or whatever he's made for himself, and then everything's right. taken away, and this is how he becomes. Well, I think that's you know this was almost like the first uh, insurgence of how. Uh, uh, rigs you know will end up being right you know it's not like i'm like i'm not mashing the two movies together but i just i see a lot of like parallels in within his character between the mad max and between the first lethal weapon it's a very good point and you look at mad max and you think all the things in it about how people look that's still influential with how people look today i live in portland off of a hawthorne and all these street kids these white kids that live off the street are dressed like the bad guys in Mad Max. Oh, I know. They have the jackets, the spiky hair, the spikes on the around the neck, everything. Yeah, the color, uh, the the one patch of color. Yeah. Um. What? Uh. God, who was the who was he? Mm, the bad guy. What was his name? There's so many. They all had different names, and then. But right. I mean, they all speak in low, gravelly voices, or they're screaming. They like to laugh insanely as they're driving around, hanging their head out the window. And they do feel menacing, even though there's not much dialogue given to these uh, bad guys in this movie. Toe cutter. Jesus Christ, it's toe, toe cutter. cutter. Jesus. Yeah, I'm like, it's something about toes. Uh. <laughs> yeah, his hair was um, was absolutely fantastic in this movie. And, um, you know, I actually had dreams about uh, wanting to get my hair done this way. So so what did the hair look like? Um, it was, it, you know, kind of like a long, like a little bit longer hair on a guy, but it was a uh, kind of brown, but then like this patch of a uh, blonde coming out through the top. Mm. And I like well, the one scene that I really liked is the, the guy like takes his, his, uh, motorcycle helmet off and he's got like the, uh, uh, the samurai, you know, like it's like piled on top of his head and the a ponytail. Like, yeah. Like the knot. And it's just like, he takes his helmet off and the hair doesn't move. <laughs> it's just like, wow, this is, you're, you're good, dude. You're really good. Who did your hair? I want to go there. How much hair gel do they have to use every day on the set of Mad Max? I don't think they have to use any, actually. No, they just don't wash their hair? No. I mean, that's like, <laughs> it like, you know, lends itself to the character. Honestly, I'd be very surprised if I ever found out that any members um, of the cast for, uh, you know, for Warrior 2 or for Mad Max 2, whatever, I'd be very surprised if they actually showered. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't. No, it really doesn't. And honestly, if I were a director, I'd be very um, encouraging to the fact of, you know what, actors? Yeah, I really don't want you to bathe. I want you to smell. I want you to look like crap. You could almost smell it as you're watching this movie. You could. When those guys walk on screen, you wish it was smell-o-vision, a little card you could scratch. <laughs> That'd be really gross, actually. It's like, ooh, this one smells like Mel Gibson. Yeah. It smells like battering someone's wife. Oh, yeah. No, that's... No? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not good. And um, the other guy that I really liked was um, was Roger Ward, who played uh, Fifi. Uh, he was the guy that, that was, was... so strange. That was his the police captain? Yeah, he was the police captain guy. He's bald. He has a walrus mustache. And uh, Mad Max is so taken with his partner, Goose, getting uh, almost burned alive. He's a burn victim. Mm -hmm. That he wants to quit the police force, and he talks to Fifi, and Fifi tells him, you know, just take a holiday, take a two-week vacation with your wife and your kid and enjoy yourself and then come back. And if you still want to quit, you can quit. And I'll walk out with you, I think is what he had said, or I'll go with you or something like that. Because he, he was a little disenchanted, I think, with everything too. But in the scene, he has his shirt off and he's like pruning bushes. He's like pruning a bonsai <laughs> tree or something. Yeah. And there's like a bird cage or something next to him, I think. 
if I'm not mistaken. And he's smoking a stogie. Definitely. And he's got like this, uh, I thought it was a tie. But it ends up being, it was like a, it was like a long scarf. It was a long black scarf that he was wearing. And he had no shirt on. And I just thought, wow, this guy's like really righteous. He's sitting here smoking a stogie with his mustache, no shirt on, trimming this bush. And, uh, you know, I just, I thought it was like, wow, you're, you're pretty cool. It's one of those things where had the scene been done with a character just dressed like a normal police captain, it wouldn't have been memorable. But because the wardrobe and the props he had to work with in the scene were so outrageous, it helps make the part of the movie stick out. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that one, um, that his character. And the, um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so this toe cutter guy, um, just kind of looking up some information about him. Uh, he was born in India. The actor? Yeah. His hmm. name is uh, Hugh K's Burn or something like that. And um, he hasn't really done a whole lot. Oh, wait, no. Sleeping Beauty for 2011. That's like the next thing he's in. Is that a cartoon or? Um, no, it's a live action. Oh, they must be trying to be doing something like um, that Amanda Seyfried uh, Red Riding Hood thing that came yeah, out Yeah, probably. Recently. Yeah, but I mean, aside from that, he hasn't done anything since like 2004. So obviously well, I guess he's... Out of all the people in this movie, Mel Gibson is the only one you've seen in other stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you find it, um, watching Mel Gibson in a movie now, after all the stuff in the tabloids, did that affect your view of him? Um, I tried not to let it influence anything that I was thinking when I was watching it. Um, I was actually quite taken with the fact of, wow, he looks really young. And to mm-hmm. me, it doesn't even feel like it's Mel Gibson. Right. Um, because it is, you know, he's, wow, he's like kind of a smaller guy you know he's you know he's tiny he's young he's not like the bloated asshole that he's oh sorry um the you know the bloated guy that he's become now um so no I I tried really hard just to kind of put that out of my mind um but I just for some reason as I was watching this I still could not be I I still was really drawn to the fact of hey now it's you know the I'm sorry the whole um lethal weapon thing yeah that's what I kept wanting to refer to. And that was like, okay, I could deal with like the lethal weapon series, you know, up until, until a certain point. And then it's just kind of like, okay, well now, now you look like the Mel Gibson that everybody knows. And you blah. I almost didn't recognize it was Mel Gibson in this at first, just cause he's so young. His hair is so short compared to those lethal weapon films where I think his hair gets bushier and bushier and more feathered mm-hmm. in each picture. Oh yeah. It's, it's kind of bizarre. I mean, he was, he looked to be fairly clean cut, um, you know, as, as this movie was, was progressing, um, that I'm really, I'm looking forward to him being dirty. What does that mean? Well, I mean, you know, now like the next one is going to be set in the desert and there's going to be lots of dirt and sand and cars and, you know, gasoline and oil and all that other kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to actually seeing a dirtier Mel Gibson. That's true. He's pretty clean shaven in this one. Mm -hmm. Did you buy the relationship in the film between uh, Mad Max and his wife and baby child? Nope. Nope. Why not? I did not because there wasn't enough of it. Yeah. I mean, there really wasn't. And like the only kind of glimpse that you got, I mean, you got like the little, you know, they go on vacation, they go on vacation. And, you you know, aside from that, it's, you know, oh, hey, you know, she wakes up and he's not there. That was right after Goose had died Um, or like these tiny little glimpses of a relationship. And you just, okay, are you guys married? Is this your girlfriend? Mm. Like, what is going on here? I wanted a little bit more of that so that. But honestly, the the, the film, they didn't they didn't need to set that up. 
ahead of time. I would have liked to yeah. have seen more, sure, but that three weeks or whatever that he was supposedly taking off, you know, with... And when when did she have a... Did they have a baby at the beginning? I mean, that's... They never... Same. It's just like, well, this kid just kind of pops out of nowhere. It's like, what <laughs> the fuck? Where did this baby come from? Um, okay, I guess they have a kid. Okay. Yeah, the little kid doesn't have his own little tricycle and sunglasses that he puts on, rides around town next to his daddy. Oh, my God, that would be awesome. Would it? Yeah. Baby Max? Baby Max. Mini Max. Ooh. There you go. I like this idea. Mad Max 4. And they're actually trying to make a Mad Max 4, but we'll save that when we talk about Beyond Thunderdome in a few weeks. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I don't know anything about that, so that'll be interesting to find out. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't, honestly, I didn't, um, I didn't really buy it um, after like the three weeks. You know, honestly, it's not that I didn't care that, oh, look, you know, her and her child got, you know, run down by these, you know, assholes in cars or whatever. But um, I, I just, honestly, I didn't, I didn't really care that much. It sounds music, terrible. Oh, yeah. But the music in this film really threw me off. The music by uh, Brian May, I believe, is really cheesy. Oh, Yeah. Like you got the wife playing the saxophone in the beginning. Yeah, what with the, the hell is that? She's just like, like sitting there. It's like <laughs> I'm sorry, but if I'm ever in like a romantic situation or like people are like quasi naked and somebody <laughs> starts playing a saxophone, I'm gonna take a shoe and I'm gonna throw it at you. I'm gonna peg you in the head, and that's that's it. You're just gonna be you know done. I think the reason for the saxophone, Mad Max, I didn't make a whole lot as a cop, so all they had for entertainment was the wife's saxophone. And so oh, she was like, yeah, cause that let's just... get in the mood, Max. We're going to play a sex offender right here. That was an awful attempt at an Australian accent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. I did not appreciate that. I didn't appreciate that one bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, your accent. That was good. That was good, Matt. But it was, uh, yeah, the, the lady with the sex And I really wanted to give her a headband. I really did. Her hair was like so wild and out of control. It was like a dog was living on her head. It's a bit like the old Nicole Kidman look when she was younger. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I wanted to give her a headband as well. It's like, can, it, mm. can we please just get this hair out of your eyes for like two <laughs> seconds? You're like running around. You're tripping over all the shit in the woods. And, you know, stop it. Maybe if you didn't have your hair in your eyes all the time, you could actually see where you were going. Some of the best stuff in this movie, I think, is toward the end where uh, Mad Max and his wife are going on vacation and they're trying to relax, and they're trying to get gas at a gas station, and you just have a lot of very creepy scenes. And there's something about, not that his wife is completely defenseless, but she's left alone with the car, or left alone, like you said earlier, with the old woman and the old man. Mm -hmm. And they're being chased by punks, and you know Mad Max is far away, and there's nothing he can do. Yeah. And that does a better job of showing their relationship than a five-minute montage of saxophone music of them running through the fields and uh, eating uh, a picnic lunch with Minimax. I know, and the dog. The dog. Yeah. What kind of a dog was that? Golden Retriever? Maybe? I know. I think it was like a it was like a chocolate brown poodle labby mix mm. thing. It's not a very macho dog like he gets in the other movies. No. Oh, I forgot he had dogs in the other movies. Or at least the second one, he has a dog. Oh, I'll have to look for that. I totally forgot about that. But the dog never talks in any of the movies. Yeah. No, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, you don't want dogs talking in Mad Max. Matt. No. You just don't. See, the dog could carry a secret weapon like a shotgun in the back of his mouth and he could bark and shoot <laughs> <laughs> and shoot people in the face. It's not that kind of movie. Well, you know what? That I would probably watch. But that's too science fiction, I think. A little too much, yeah. What would he call Mad Max? What genre is it? Is it an action movie? Is it a boring movie? Um, is it... You know, I would think it's probably just an action adventure. Um, yeah. When you IMDb it, that's what it comes up as, just the regular Mad Max. It's action adventure sci-fi, hmm. um, which I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't 
classify it as science fiction at all, but it is in kind of like like this weird dystopia place that you you don't have any grounds for. I mean, obviously we think that, hey, it takes place in Australia and it was actually filmed, you know, in parts of it. So we just kind of go with it. It's not like it was given like this is Detroit. Right. This is whatever, you know, these, this is the Australian outback or, you know, we, we, you just kind of suspend reality for whatever it is. And, oh, they're just like at the beach. Okay. I'm sure that there's, you know, plenty of beaches in Australia and that they're lovely and whatever. So you just, there's no real like, um, concrete setting to it. Right. And I think that helps, uh, it age a bit well than compared to some other films uh, from that era. You look at the costumes, look a bit punkish with leather jackets and the spikes, but no one's carrying around laser guns. Mm-mm. You don't have jetpacks exactly. No, they just have a lot of shotguns. A lot of shotguns. Mm-hmm. And really, really bitching cars. Is there any other cars you like besides the Interceptor? Um, I was reading up a little bit about what some of the cars were, and uh, I was trying to find out exactly where I had found... Uh, okay, so yeah, the vehicles. Uh, so it was a Ford Falcon that was the Interceptor. Uh, 1974 and uh, beautiful, beautiful car. The um, which one was it here? That was a Ford Falcon, and then his black one was a limited GT351 version of the uh, Ford XB Falcon uh, with a hardtop, which was um, beautiful too. Um, I like the paint job actually on some of the cars. <laughs> I don't remember which one it was. Uh, they had like stabbed the roof of it or something and like pulled it open. I think. Um, at one point, and it was it was all flamey and kind of red and yellow and orange. I think it's one of the interceptors in the beginning that uh, some of the bad guys are in. Yeah, sort of red and yellow almost. Yeah, there was yeah. that one, and it wasn't necessarily the actual other um, interceptor cars or like the uh, the pursuit cars, but it was like the bad guys' cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that maybe that's what you're referring to. The motorcycle stuff honestly doesn't do a whole lot for me, um, except for when the guy was on the motorcycle and he started like revving the engine and he made like some kind of weird circle with his tires. I don't really know what that was about. I think he's trying to taunt them. Um. Okay. Maybe. Uh, I'm trying to connect it best I can. Yeah. He's trying to say, hey, I got a motorcycle. I can make noise. It can do circles. I'm so tough. Wow. Well, how about if I just like take out the shotgun and blow your head off? I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's even tougher. Um, the, the other interesting thing that I, I did read on here, uh, that by the end of the filming that actually 14 cars had been destroyed. I, I can believe it. Yeah. And that, that, um, that doesn't please me, but, um, it, it's great for the movie. It's great for the film. So, um, yeah, they were completely destroyed in the chases and the crashes and stuff. Um, also including the director's, um, personal Mazda Bongo. Oh yeah. I didn't even know Mazda had a bongo. I had no clue. Well, now we do. Yeah. Uh, it was a small blue van that spins uncontrollably after being struck by uh, the big bopper in the film's opening mm. chases, chase scenes. So, What things can you think of Mad Max being a big influence for? Oh, man. Because that look of stuff set in the desert, cars chasing each other. Well, obviously, I think for the other two, and they right. you know got it from, from those, but... Um, I can't think of any, actually. There's a movie that I haven't seen this yet, but it came out a year or two ago called Book of Eli with Denzel Washington is in it. Uh-huh. And that's very similar in that it's trying to be a Western, but it's in a post-apocalyptic future in the desert and people are fighting with knives and guns. And just that setting, uh, there's a series of video games called Fallout. I think the latest one is like Fallout 3 New Vegas, uh-huh. where that's all set in this dystopian sort of future, not in the Mad Max universe as such. But everything down to the look. 
And you even look at the uh, TV show South Park, and in the bedroom of, I think, Stan, there's a poster for the Road Warrior. Oh, yeah. It doesn't say Road Warrior, but it's a guy with a cop helmet and a dog next to him in the South Park style. Damn, you're observant. Uh, Wikipedia's observant. Yeah, but you're observing it. (laughs) You're, like, great for observing it and then knowing to go to Wikipedia and look it up or find it. That's cool. I didn't know that. Uh, Yeah, I can't. I mean, there was another movie that, I mean, aside from like, hey, like really long, um, not even car chases, but hey, people are on a road trip and it's boring and you just see like, you know, nothing but road. And um, I can't remember. I want to say it was like Breakout or Breakthrough or something like that with Kurt Russell and some other lady and she gets kidnapped. And so he's got to find her. And I know that I'm making no sense. I'm trying to describe this. I don't know what that is. Um, Yeah, she gets kidnapped and he's got to go find her. But it's, it's like that whole open road. You know, where there's there's no cities, there's no towns, there's dirt all around you, and you have no signs, you have no mileage, you have no, you know, you, like, next gas station is 63 miles away. You have no basis of really where this is all taking place. But I can't think of the name of the movie hmm. that I was thinking about. Do you think that if you showed uh, Mad Max to a, a teenager, a modern teenager, they would enjoy it or just find it boring as crap? Wow. Um, that's a really good question. I think to them it might seem slow. It certainly seems slow to me, and I'm uh, 29 years old, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it seems slow to me, yeah. It was like, especially that the first, you know, half hour is just like, wow, this is really stupid. Um, hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully our kids that are, you know, that are under the age of, let's say, 23, 25, mm-hmm. maybe, um, will have an appreciation for some of the older stuff that's out there, especially for something like this, because it has, in a sense, become its own cult classic. And yeah. and with as much money as it, you know, didn't make here, but then did, and, you know, everybody knows about it. And so I definitely think that, hey, if you're under the age of 25 and you haven't seen any of this, this series, that go ahead and start with this one. It's probably okay. Um, but hopefully they'd have an appreciation for, this is what movie looks like with no CGI kids. This is like this, you know, they actually blew shit up. They blew up these cars and they, you know, this is what they did. There wasn't, you know, Bumblebee and there wasn't, you know, all this Transformer. There wasn't all of this crap. Sure. I mean, speaking of like Bumblebee, all the Transformer stuff in those movies, the camera shakes around so much. You can't even tell what's going on in the fight scenes or anything. Mm -hmm. And Mad Max is something where it uses a lot of very stationary shots, a lot of wide shots. You can clearly tell who is chasing whom, Mm -hmm. what happens to the cars. They use a bit of slow motion, but not too much. Yeah. It, you know, it's not bad. I mean, especially considering the time, which honestly, it wasn't that long, um, or that long ago anyway, that, um, well, let's see here. When was it? 79. Okay. Yeah. I was alive. I probably just dated myself just a wee bit. Um, but there wasn't a lot of the shaking, you know, the camera shaking. It wasn't like, you know, like we you'd mentioned the Blair Witch Project, which, you know, oh, overcame yeah. this one. But it's, it wasn't like that. And you almost kind of expected it to be because it's such a raw movie. You know, there's obviously a lot of production work that went into it, but it just, to me, it didn't feel like it. Right. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. It's difficult to talk a lot about this first Mad Max film because not so much happens. But with the end of the movie is really when Max becomes Mad Max because he's trying to track down the people that maimed Goose. And well, furthermore, did um, do you think his wife and kid got killed or did they just get hurt? 
Well, they said um, after the accident happened and then he was like rushing over to her, then like the very next scene was at the hospital and it shows her laying in uh, in a hospital room with, if I'm not mistaken, no arm and no leg. Yeah. It was like opposite arm, opposite leg were missing um, and, you know, all wrapped up and everything. And the doctor had said, um, or like the nurse said to the doctor, you know, what's, what's, what's going on with this patient? And it was, oh, you know, no liver function, heart function, brain function, like everything was pretty much dead. And he had said, well, just, you know, just tell him that, that things will be okay. And of course he's standing right outside hearing the doctor lie to the nurse of what the nurse is supposed to tell him. And then she said, the kid didn't make it. Mm. And it was a toddler. I mean, little Max Jr. was, he had a really weird name too. It was like Chipper or something like that. Yeah, he did. I'm and, trying to remember. You don't see him get like squished. There's no, no close you, up on no, the tire. No, but that's almost, I mean. But you see the teddy bear yeah. or whatever, like bounce. Yeah, you see the teddy bear kind of go flying and then you see his shoe. Yes. That's almost as bad. Mm-hmm. That's just as bad. Yeah. Seeing this little kid's shoe on the pavement of this long and winding stretchy road. And it's, yeah, it's just as bad. But yeah, they said, you know, the little kid didn't make it. And uh, then from that point on, he just kind of uh, goes a little nuts. Puts on his police clothes again. Gets back in his car. (laughs) I guess because he looks tougher. He doesn't want to hunt people down wearing flannel. I I get that. I I, I get it. He's always a bit cheesy him putting back on the cop uniform. Mm -hmm. He's a cop going by his own rules. He's gone rogue. They killed Minnie Max. Who's going to kill them one by one? Yeah, honestly, I didn't uh, think that the um, the killing of the other people when he like he ran two other guys off the bridge. I think it was. Uh, yep. So that to me was not very anticlimactic. Granted, they were like incidental characters, even though they were in the movie for the whole thing. It was still kind of like oh, it does happen a bit quick, doesn't it? It does. You kind and of wish there was a big, not necessarily a hand to hand fight scene, but some exciting sequence because when the uh, the wife and the kid are being chased in the woods. Mm-hmm. That's like a five-minute chase scene. That's very exciting. Oh yeah, it's really it's really exciting as far as all that stuff is concerned. That um, well, and especially because there was like this other guy that was living with the lady that was taking care of the beach house, and he was like the freaky one. And then you realize the way he's dressed, and you're like, oh no, that's not like that's not who she needs to be afraid of at this point. Right. You remember that? Yeah, he looks kind of like a giant retard or something. He's yeah, like he's that, like uh, yeah, like sloth from Goonies or something. Exactly. Maybe not that bad. Yeah, not that bad. But like the, everything else, I mean, yeah, you just kind of, oh, we're just going to run a couple people off the road here and no big deal. Oh, look, they're just flying off the bridge. Oh, look. But the one thing that I will give it is that when they were uh, flying off the bridge, one guy hits the water, the other guy hits the water, and then the bike comes down on top mm. of this other guy or like their heads hit yeah. or it like hits the back of the tire or something. I was like, oh, you could like hear that <laughs> crunch. And it was just like, well, I hope that they like added some sound to that or just something because it looked, it looked, it looked a little too real. Right. You know, and it was like, well, I hope this is not one of their accidents that they just happened to get on film and use. Well, that's the other thing, too, was that they didn't have airbags in cars back then. These guys weren't falling on uh, mattresses off screen. They're falling on concrete. They're falling in the water. A lot of people got seriously injured making this movie, and you can tell, and that adds a lot to it. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're seeing uh, Keanu Reeves doing backflips and flying through the sky. Where nothing is really at stake. Yeah, you don't you don't really see that, but there's like so much more at stake, right? Because of that, because of that fact. Because it feels real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, the two guys like flying off the bridge. That was actually now that I think about it, it was kind of cool. It happened pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I almost missed the uh, toe cutter death. 
It happened so quick. It really did. Like the eyes kind of pop out of his head. What is it? They run into the truck? Yeah, he like runs into a truck and it's just like, that was really weird too because it was, he like, it's almost kind of like a cartoon effect. Like you mm-hmm. see something, you get like the cartoon eyes and they kind of bug out your head and you go, wow. And, <laughs> and then bam, and then he's just, he's gone, which is, is cool. Um, I, it's almost kind of like a, like a speed style, you know, where yeah. Dennis Hopper loses his head, literally. Uh, Honestly, not uh, not cool enough for me. No, you wish after such a big buildup, you hate these guys through the movie because they rape people and they're not nice people. Yeah. But when they mess with poor old Goose and with his wife and kid, mm-hmm. you hate them even more and you want to see them suffer a bit. <laughs> well, that's just it. I really wish that the actual, the, the roles were reversed between Toe Cutter and uh, what was the other guy's name? Zanetti. Um, yeah. that he was actually the one, I wish that toe cutter would have been the one that was handcuffed with, you know, Oh, hey, look, there's gas. And Oh, look, here comes a match towards you. You know, just like he made the other guy do with goose. And Zanetti just looks so normal compared to the other bad guys. Oh, he's a whining little baby. I mean, yeah. you know, he didn't, honestly, he did not deserve to go out as cool as he did. No, he didn't. And how did he go out? That's how he went out. He I think, wasn't it Zanetti that was, that was chained to the car at the very end? Right, with the saw and yeah, then he with the, the saw gasoline. and the gasoline. Right. Yeah, no, that should have been toe cutter because yeah, he was the one, one that ordered everything. But yep. you know, Zanetti, honestly, I would have been okay if he would have been one of those guys off of the bridge, or if he got hit by a truck, I'd be okay with that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that was what I had a problem with was is that why are you letting toe cutter like the leader of this gang? Why are you killing him first? Why are you letting him go first? I don't know. And then you're doing Zanetti. You know, I just yeah. was like, Meh. but he's like he's a peon at this point. I don't. After all that, the movie basically ends, but I'm a bit surprised they never had anything more with his wife and kid, or at that point, was Mad Max just like... I think he just, I mean, yeah, we just kind of assume that, hey, they're dead. Yeah. And this is how Max becomes Mad Max. And he got his revenge. And see, because it ended so abruptly, he basically, you know, says, hey, you got five minutes or whatever to saw your stuff all you saw your hand off or whatever. And then you see the explosion and then, movie's over. Yeah, it's very abrupt. It's incredibly abrupt. And it's only, um, I think it was, it's 88 minutes. Wow. So you take away credits, that's maybe, you know, like 85, 84 minutes. Yep. And most mo- like most short movies are at least 90 minutes, mm-hmm. usually 120 minutes. Right. So, and knowing that, you know, this was what, 1979, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, I would have liked to seen a little bit more, but this is where I think they did it right, was they left it open. Yeah. For the second one. So now I'm kind of like, all right, well, it's been a really long time since I've seen the second one. I want to know, now that I have this kind of fresh in my mind, how is that transition happening between one and two? Sure. You know, what, this was like the, the pre-apocalypse and the, the other one is like post-apocalypse. So like what happened? Right. You know, what there's happened? A big gap and, there. Yeah, there's a huge gap there. So, and I don't know as if those are going to be answered within the second one that we'll watch for next week or not, but I'm really curious to try to put some of those pieces together. At least with the explosion, it ends on a high note as far as the action goes. Mm-hmm. The frustrating thing, uh, like you said, I wish they would have spent so much more on the action at the end of the movie because there's so much in the middle where they're dicking around, not doing jack, jack shit, where the, the punks are just going through a city, just kind of terrorizing citizens, but nothing happens to move the story along mm-hmm. as slight as it is. Yeah, I would agree. That and the fact of, you know, how... 
how in the hell did it happen where the you know the wife and Max how did they end up in this place with these other dudes and it just seems to be a little too perfect mm-hmm. I mean I understand that you know I think it was like toe cutter came up to the tire guy and said hey where'd they go oh he was buying tires for me they said they were heading north over to the beach you know so it's like okay well I guess then they're kind of chasing because the wife had done something you know she had basically dismissed them and said, um, no, you can go fuck yourself. You're not going to rape me. Right. And then took off. Um, but that whole, that whole chase was a little weird. I'm a bit surprised he never taught his wife or girlfriend, whomever she was, yeah, who how, knows? how to use a weapon. Well, and the messed up thing, too, is is that she's running through the woods after, like, falling asleep in the sun and she starts hearing these weird noises <laughs> or anything. She's got the umbrella and she drops it in the woods. It's like, are you stupid? This is your only weapon at this point. Why are you dropping it? Right. She just lets it drop. She could pick it up, use it like the penguin from Batman or something. Oh, yeah. She smack could him stab in the face. somebody, stab smack them, you know, Very like good. open it up and like whoosh, five guys will go flying, you know? I mean, <laughs> I have a wild imagination, but... um. You know, she could do so much with it. And yet mm-hmm. she just, you know, the towel I get. Yeah, babe, drop the towel. You're not going to get anything unless you want to, like, snap them. Your towel is not going to be a weapon. I mean, well, no, I guess she could strangle them. Yeah, She should have like, taken her top them. off to distract them and then use the umbrella to smack them in the face. Oh, yeah, that would have been run good. Away. Yeah. But we, we, would you really want to see her, like, running with her boobs flying everywhere, though? I mean, that maybe guys, I don't much. know. I don't know. Yeah, that might be a little, uh, a little too much. But that would have bought her an extra precious few seconds. Yeah, it would have. But see, she never even got attacked. No. I mean, that, that was just it. It was like all of this music and all of this buildup and everything else, which, yeah, you're, you're right. The music was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And I felt like at times I was like, wow, this is like, there really shouldn't be any music here, but yet there's music. <laughs> Why is the music swelling up? There shouldn't be any. You know, it was just, it felt like it kind of inappropriate. Yeah. At, at times, I can't really like cite a specific example where I felt, um, like what's going on here with it. But yeah, there were a couple of times where it's just like, this just doesn't need to be here. Um, but yeah, she didn't even get attacked. That's very strange. I mean, when I saw this movie, it was on the um, Netflix watch instantly. And I think it's the same as the DVD copy basically. Mm-hmm. And the film looks grainy. It has all these pock marks in it. It looks like shit, but that kind of adds to a movie that's that old mm-hmm. and that they're trying to go for a grungy feel. Oh yeah, Totally. And you have this issue sometimes when they take older movies and put them on DVD or Blu-ray or what have you. They clean it up and make it look all nice and sharp like it's a modern movie. And that kind of defeats the purpose. Well, yeah. All you're doing at that point is you're catering to those teenagers mm-hmm. that haven't seen, you know, they're used to the shiny. They're used to, you know, the non-grit. And no, they need to be educated in the grit. <laughs> so, yeah, by cleaning stuff up, you know, I guess like I have an appreciation for that in some way, shape or form. But show the movie as it was made to, you know, as it was intended to be. Just don't don't mess it up. Don't clean it up. Just leave it. What were your music things? I mean, we kind of mentioned like the lady with the saxophone. Like, did you oh, yeah. did you feel the same way? Like, I agree. I did not like the music at all. I thought the music was very cheesy. It, um, you know, it telegraphs how you're supposed to feel. Someone gets blown up, and it goes ba ba ba. During the montage, it's especially heinous. Where it's all this slow motion, like piano music. I can't even begin to describe it. Yeah. I should have brought a clip or something, but it was so painful that it took away from the movie. Had it, if it had no music, it would have been better or even, they could have even used pop music from the time and that might have felt better than whatever score they had on there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it probably would have. I I think that it it, it should have been a little bit more oomphy, but um, yeah, I I would have been okay with no music actually. It's a low budget movie, I think. At the time, especially, most movies had a score. I mean, they probably did the soundtrack on a Casio keyboard. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Toe Cutter? Toe Cutter was cool. I, I liked his look. I think all the bad guys had a real nice look to him, but uh, just his hair, I think, was so unique. He didn't just have the mohawk. It was a such a weird combination of the lawn and the short hair. Mm-hmm. And do you call that a Chelsea? I don't know. That's something different where you shave the head and there's just the... Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what that's, that's a called. Different one. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was pretty badass, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad to see that he died. Yeah. But I was kind of looking forward to him coming back. That's a good point. Yeah. Because a lot of times in sequels, the villain comes back for part two or part three. He ain't coming back for the next one, Matt. No. His arm isn't going to crawl into frame and wave. No, the other cool thing too that would actually that would be kind of neat. Like, hi. Um, <laughs> the other thing is that as you know, as that whole scene was happening, just as an aside, when Toe Cutter was um, getting his, that he actually shot Max in the leg, right, and then proceeded to run over him, run over his arm. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is that we don't really see too much. We do a little bit because then he goes because then Max was after Goose, but we don't see too much of his injury after the fact. Well, you see he's crippled. He's kind of, Mad Max is dragging himself along the street, trying to finish these last few people off. Yeah. And you feel bad for him, but there's so little to go off with Max. There's not a lot to the character in this movie compared to some of the later ones. Mm-hmm. And like you said, had they spent more time with the wife and the kid or maybe with Goose, him and his partner drinking or something. Yeah. You could have had more investment in that character. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree. That's just it is, is that they didn't spend enough time on Max, like, developing him. And it's like, oh, look, Goose died. Oh, I'm so sorry. That was probably his partner, you know, his, like, his police partner or whatever. But I didn't get the sense that it was, like, uber, uber important. What if they would have switched it around and Goose was the head person? Then it would have been called Mad Goose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm liking Mad Max a little better. <laughs> it's not as macho. No, no, because then there's like a whole bunch of like bird jokes and, you know, things that you can make off of that. This summer he's getting revenge. Mad Goose. Beyond Thunderdome. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> just that it doesn't have a ring to it. <laughs> no, because then is he like a Canadian geese? Is he, I mean, like what kind of a Ooh. goose, you know, like, you know, what is the term for Australian goose? That's an interesting question. You know, there's like the Canadian duck or goose or whatever. Does an Australian goose drink fosters? Do they eat at... Maybe they drink Grey's Goose. They drink Grey's Goose and they eat at an Outback Steakhouse, at a Bloomin' Onion from Outback Steakhouse. We are so pathetic as Americans as to what <laughs> our vision of Australians are. It's ridiculous. I, I was talking to a Maladin, a listener of the sequel cast, and he's Australian. Oh, really? And I told him about uh, Outback Steakhouse, and he was kind of appalled. I would be offended. Well, Outback Steakhouse, I believe, was invented by Americans as a restaurant chain after the success of a Crocodile Dundee, uh-huh. those movies. Yeah. And so you have all these things on that menu, like Alice Springs chicken and a kookaburra wings or, or what have you. Uh, yeah. And I you're like co-opting the... a whole other uh, culture to sell steaks, which, I mean, America does not need more steakhouses. 
Um, no, we don't. Uh, we need less chain steakhouses, more independent mm. steakhouses mm-hmm. I'd be good with. Have you been to a good independent steakhouse? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, I haven't been to a steakhouse in quite a while, actually. So I um, guess I'm kind of guilty. The last one I was probably at, if you even want to call it a steakhouse, was probably yeah. out back like six years, eight years ago, something like that. Oh. It's, I mean, I love steak. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't cook it very well. Honestly, I burn the crap out of it. It's uh, difficult to cook. It is. And I don't have a grill, so I rely on my oven. But um, yeah, I, honestly, if I were Australian, I'd be pretty appalled. Uh, I'm sorry, Australian listeners and friends. We didn't do it. Like like Matt and I were like personally not responsible for Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> we're not responsible for like um, the Fosters. It's Australian for beer. I mean, we know, you know, we we appreciate like when Australians like because I love the way that they talk. Oh yeah, I love trying to understand them. We've got you know a couple listeners um, on you know some other shows that we've actually done interviews with for their podcasts, and they're you know they're Australian, and um, it, it, again, it kind of takes a little bit of time to get used to the way that they they talk, but. Um, I don't know. I think there needs to actually, I think there needs to be more um, like true Australian culture in our culture. Yeah, you don't see a lot. And even with the Australian films, uh, you think of Mad Max, if you knew in the first place they're in Australia, which is something a lot of people might not know. Mm -hmm. And Heath Ledger was Australian. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was Australian. Oh, wait, that's Austrian. Oh, yeah, that's Austrian, yeah. Mm. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, Australian. Yeah. No, see, Australia, you guys Russell need to Crow like... Russell is Australian. <laughs> Don't get me started. Uh, Vegemite. Vegemite, yeah. Uh, There's the, 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 the minute work. Oh, yeah, uh, Down Under. Uh, yeah, In Excess. Waltzing Matilda is a classic piece of Australian music that Tom Waits covered oh. 20 years ago. Um... But yeah, right. Not that much education of Australian culture. Chop chop, Australian people. Send us send us more of your shit. Yes, send it to uh, sequelcast at gmail dot com, or to the Twitter feed at sequelcast or at Sabrina PDX. Mm-hmm. You can send uh, you can send an email to me. What is it? Uh, Sabrina Miller PDX at gmail dot com, and I'm on the Twitter um, at Sabrina PDX, and I'm on Facebook too. You can find me there. I mean, just. It's not difficult. No, just shout out the word Sabrina and I'll be there. I'll come to you in your <laughs> dreams and terrorize you with, um, you know, really bad analogies and reviews of uh, Mad Max. Sure. Yeah. So in conclusion, what did you think of Mad Max, the original? The original. As a as an overall, you know, I'm honestly, I'm glad that I saw it. Um, I did not like the first 40 minutes. Um, I felt like I could very easily, and I was easily distracted, but, um, I think it actually sets the tone nicely for, um, for some future things, not only for the franchise, but, um, for, uh, future Mel Gibson, uh, viewings in the future. Future Mel Gibson viewings in the future. Yes. Because I'm all about the future. Have you done Back to the Future? We have not done Back to the Future. Oh my God. It's a good idea. Those are good. Oh my God. We're so doing Back to the Future. Yeah. We'll do that later. Okay. I can like quote that movie. And we'll have a uh, whack we'll like we're shaking the whole time to sound like Michael J. Fox. <gasps> that is terrible, Matt. That is terrible. So my thoughts on Mad Max, the original, is uh, it's okay. It's kind of a tough sit through, but it's worth watching, even just to see a young Mel Gibson. I think that makes it fun, mm-hmm. and just to see where the character comes from uh, at the beginning of the second film, uh, The Road Warrior, also known as Mad Max Two. They recap the first film. But it's still nice to know why he's bitter, why he doesn't like family, why he seems to just hate everyone and be a burnt out uh, husk of a man. Oh, yeah, totally. 
So I think we would both recommend the first Mad Max, but it's sort of a weak recommend. It is a weak recommend. I'd probably, yeah. I mean, do you like star rate it? Do you point we rate it? We like, can come do you up do with anything? something. You know, I think um, maybe we do like an overall point rating when we're done with the series. That sounds fair. Yeah. So um, for this one, you know what? If you, I think it was, there were definitely things that were pretty awesome about it. And uh, and I mean, right now it's streaming on Netflix and it's free. So, you know, you might as well just take 88 minutes of your day, get a little educated on some fine Australian culture and uh, motorcycle gangs. And, uh, I don't know, little babies that just seem to appear out of nowhere. You can also get the movie on the DVD, and the recent uh, Blu-ray version was released as well. Sweet. So. Yeah, you know what? Go watch this, people. Go watch it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cult classic. Go watch it. It's fine. Yeah. So, for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And I'm Sabrina. Saying, prepare to tune in next week for look at Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Bye. Bye. <laughs>